Uh, my name is Pastor Dave Allman, and uh, it's my pleasure and privilege to share the Word of God. For those of you who haven't been here for a while, I had hip surgery about five weeks ago. feels really good to sit, okay? That's why I'm sitting today. And if I get really wound up, I'll probably stand, but for now, I'm going to sit. We're um, starting a sermon series called Joining Jesus on His Mission. Joining Jesus on his mission. I don't know about you, but I've heard a lot of evangelism messages down through the years where I've been challenged and challenged myself as I've preached them to share Jesus Christ with people. We tell people, share Jesus, share Jesus, share Jesus, share Jesus. We've heard it ad nauseum. But if you're anything like me, when you hear a message like that, you've got to ask this inevitable question. Yeah, pastor, that's fine. But how do I do that? I just don't know. I can't preach like you. I can't talk to people so openly about Jesus like other people I know. I guess I'm just a failure as a missionary. I guess I just will have to say I get an F in that class. I never will be able to really share my faith. Many of you feel that way. And I'm here to tell you that the pressure, listen to this, the pressure is off. You don't have to be super evangelist. You don't have to preach like the Apostle Paul or Billy Graham or Pastor Tim. You don't have to be trained in evangelism 101 or know the five spiritual laws. All I'm asking you to do as members of peace and visitors alike is to listen to this. Don't miss it. Listen to this. Don't miss it. To join Jesus on his, you say it, mission. It's his mission, not ours. How many of you have a job? Raise your hand. Okay. How many of you go to school? Raise your hand. How many of you have neighbors? Raise your hand. How many of you play on a soccer team? Or work out at the gym, raise your hand. You know what? J listen to this. Jesus is, there I'm standing up already. Jesus is already at work, listen to this, in their lives. He's doing stuff already that you're not even aware of. And all you have to do is go through the doors that God opens to minister, to care, to listen, to offer a word of encouragement or a helping hand. That's it. It's really simple. As we join Jesus on his mission. Now, I've entitled this message, Seeking His Kingdom. And here's what it means to seek his kingdom. To watch for God showing up in different ways in your life and in the lives of other people. Let me say that again. To watch God showing up in your life and in the lives of other people. That's what it means to seek his kingdom. Much like... The Samaritan in our story. Now to go back to this story. Jesus told this amazing story. Where this guy comes and says. You know how do I love? Who is my neighbor? And Jesus shares this powerful story. We call the good Samaritan. For us to understand the context. We need to understand that Jesus tells a story. About a man traveling on a road. From Jerusalem to Jericho. It's a 3600 foot drop. In 20 miles. There's crags and rocks 
and crevices all along that road as you make that descending trip. And rarely did anybody travel by themselves. But that's what happened with this man. And not surprisingly, as bandits waited along the road, and they're the very same thing to this day, Pastor Tim told me, there's still bandits along that road. Remember, it's a 3,600-foot drop in just 20 miles, and there's rocks and crevices and, and canyons, so it's easy to get mugged. It's easy to get beat up. And that's exactly what happened to this guy as he was traveling by himself. Now, what happens? Along comes a priest, a religious professional. But he has this duty to give sacrifices in the temple. That's what he's supposed to do. And guess what? If he touches a man that's bleeding, or worse yet, a man that's dead, he's considered unclean and he can't offer sacrifices. So he's got a good excuse. I don't have to get involved. By the way, before I continue this story... I'm one of those kind of people that doesn't like interruptions. When I wake up in the morning, I have my schedule. I'm doing this at this time, this at this time, this at this time, seeing this person, going to this meeting, making this appointment, and I hate interruptions. Are any of you like that too? Okay. Yeah, you got an agenda, things you're going to do. And when somebody interrupts your day, do you find yourself running out of patience a little bit? Becoming irritated with that person? A little bit, considering that interruption is nothing more than a nuisance, a little bit. That's me too. That was the priest. He had things to do, people to see, meetings to carry out. I mean, he was a priest. He didn't have time to get involved in this sappy guy who got mud. I'll let somebody else get involved. I'm going to pass by on the other side. And that's exactly what he did. And then the Levite, a religious zealot, a lawyer by trade, an interpreter of the law, comes by, sees the man, and he too, according to the scriptures, does what? Passes by on the other side as well. He didn't want to be interrupted. He could have seen this as a kingdom opportunity to serve and to help and support and encourage and aid but he passed by on the other side. So finally, this guy, who's a Samaritan, and by the way, Samaritans did not get along with Jews. Jews looked at them as outcasts, as people separated from the community. So the assumption is this man who's been beaten and left half dead on the road is a Jew. This Samaritan could have easily said, I've got an agenda. I've got a schedule. I've got things to do, people to meet, deadlines to commit to. I don't have the time, and I can't stand this interruption. But he saw this, listen to this, he saw this as a kingdom moment. A time when God was opening the door vastly, magnificently for him to help, support, aid, give encouragement, and mend the man's wounds, literally. And that's what he did. Picks him up, puts him on his camel or donkey, goes to the nearest inn, pays for him to stay there, says, put the money on my tab, I'll pay it all. He saw this as an opportunity to minister and to care. He didn't mind the interruption. I got to tell you, we sometimes don't love our neighbor as ourselves. We sometimes are slothful and lazy 
and make excuses for getting involved in helping other people, whether it's at work or at school or on the soccer field or in the neighborhood. We sometimes say, I just don't have time. And really, I don't know what to say. When all it requires maybe is just to hang out or offer an encouraging word. But so many times, just like the priest, just like the Levite, we pass by on the other side and we don't seize the day to minister to someone who needs us as we join Jesus on his, you say it, mission. But the real good Samaritan is our Lord Jesus who's seen our sin and our slothfulness and our laziness and our excuse making and he comes down to this world and he takes upon himself our sin and he goes to the cross and pays for it and makes restitution and payment for it once and for all. And the reason he does this is because he loves us so incredibly, so deeply, so magnificently. He is really the good Samaritan in this story. He comes and binds up our wounded hearts, our shame-filled consciences, our sin-sick souls. And he pours the oil of anointing and healing and blessing and forgiveness and grace upon it all. And he says, I know the excuse-making. I know your slothfulness. I know the times you just pass by on the other side. But I've covered it all with my shed blood on the cross. And you are forgiven. Sorry, I'm getting loud. I can't help it. You are forgiven. And we embrace that. And we claim that. And we say that's mine. And even though I am like the priest and the Levite in the story, where interruptions have come my way, when I could have helped or aided or offered a word of encouragement, you might be saying, well, pastor, you're a pastor, you do that? Yes. Because I have feet of clay. I am a sinner through and through. But our God picks us up, binds up our wounds, takes away our sin, anoints us with the oil of blessing and forgiveness, the wine of grace and pardon. And he picks us up and he says, now, when you have interruptions in your life to minister to people, what are you going to do? And our response can be, what listening ear can I give? What word of encouragement can I speak? What helping hands can I extend? What act of kindness can I demonstrate? Oh God, if you're going to interrupt my day and I'm to join you on mission, I'm available. I'm ready. I'm the Samaritan. How many of you want to be a Samaritan in life? Raise your hand. Every hand ought to go up, folks. Every hand. Because God is saying, I want you to seek those kingdom opportunities that I give you in everyday life. On the soccer field, in the locker room, at the gym, across the desk at work, with your neighbor across the street, with your co-worker who you eat lunch with. And isn't it amazing how many times those people kind of open the door about what's going on in their life and kind of give us an opportunity to listen or extend a word of encouragement and we just are so much like the priest and the Levite. I'm here to say, put that to death. Drown it in your baptism. You drown it in your baptism, this slothfulness, this laziness, this unwillingness to get involved in the life of people around us when God is opening the door for us to minister and care and love and encourage 
And have you ever noticed that there's something bubbling in your heart? God is speaking to your heart. He's saying, say it. Do it. How many of you are German Lutherans? You know what we do as German Lutherans? No, I'm going to let somebody else do it. Or they know how I feel. Oh, no. The words that you're ready to say, the action that you're ready to give, may be just the action, just the word they need at that given time. Can I get an amen? So we have some action items for us today. And, and a lot of times people, and I don't know why they say this to me, but they do. Well, you need to give us some things to do when we leave this place. Things to work on. And we try to do that, and here we go again. How to recognize kingdom opportunities. The first thing is equip. Equip yourself with the word of God. This is Rally Sunday. And Rally Sunday is a day when we rally around the word of God and the power and influence and spirit's domain that works in that word. Parents, adults alike, Make studying the Word of God here with fellow Christians, whether it's in Sunday school, midweek connect, although we're calling it connections now, Bible class, life group, make it a priority because that equips us to seize the day and seek opportunities to serve and care and love and forgive and extend God's grace to other people. That's what equips us. And the more we're equipped, the more we share. Any person that says, I want to grow in my relationship with Jesus so that I'm stronger in my faith and stops there, that is a selfish faith. If we don't equip ourselves to know more about the word of God so that we're more equipped to share God's love and grace and mercy with other people, that is godly. And the only way that happens is if we equip ourselves with the power of the word of God. I love Ephesians 6. Put on the full armor of God. The helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith, the gospel of peace, which is the word of God. There is power in the word of God. And that's what equips us to seek kingdom opportunities. Pastor Dave, you're coming down pretty hard on us being in Bible class, Sunday school, midweek. Absolutely. Because I know that's where people grow. And I'm challenging you all to get involved in the study of the word of God with other Christians on a regular basis. Secondly, expect. Expect interruptions during your day. And don't hesitate to seize those as opportunities to minister to other people. Whether it's at work, or whether it's at school, or whether it's at the workout facility, Expect interruptions and don't be surprised when God opens the door so amazingly through that interruption that you can't help but go through it. And finally, thirdly, affect. Affect what's happening as you are a vessel and a conduit of God's mercy and grace through the words you express, through the love that you give, through the kindness that you show, through the listening ear that you extend, affect that situation with God's presence in your life. And people will see Jesus Christ in you. Listen to what the Bible says. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, it's not I who live, but Jesus Christ lives in me. And the life I live now, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself 
for me. God is going to place an opportunity in your life, I guarantee it, sometime this week for you to use these basic principles I've given you today. Seize it. Embrace it. Be not like the priest and Levite. I'm going to get involved. I'm going to put my schedule on hold. I'm going to walk through the door of ministry with this person. Some of you have heard this story. Some of you have not because many of you are new in the last three or four years. But in 2005, my son's football team at Denver Lutheran High School was unranked and playing the number one team in the state, the Kent Sun Devils. Now, my son went to Lutheran High, and Kent is a secular school, and the name of their team was the Sun Devils. So it was really the Christians against the Devils. You know what I mean? Okay. Yeah. So anyway, the game's tied towards the end. Amazingly, Lutheran High has played so well, and it looks like they're going to win the game. All of a sudden, they fumble. There's like 40 seconds left in the game, although they still have their three timeouts. Sure enough, Kent recovers on the very next play. They fumble. Now Lutheran High School is just like 60 yards away from the goal line. They throw a couple passes. They're completed. There's three seconds left on the clock. Now they're going to attempt a 47-yard field goal to win the game. And they attempted it. And it went through the uprights. And Pastor Dave ran onto the field, jumping with the kids like crazy. Who does that? You're not supposed to do that. You know? That's against the rules. But I was jumping around and slapping high fives and giving the kids a hug. I was so excited. Now the game is over. I'm meeting my son after the game. And I hear kind of off in the corners people talking about some party of the adults and the kids hosted by what at that time were our best friends. We were never invited. I got in the car, surely, I, I waited in the parking lot with my wife, waiting for someone to come over. Hey, there's a party over at so-and-so's house. You coming? Waited there for 10 minutes. With each passing minute, I got more angry and more angry and more angry. Why didn't somebody tell us about that? I get home. Get out of the car. Beautiful September Saturday afternoon. We take a walk. And all I'm doing with my wife is grumbling. I can't believe it. I can't believe they didn't invite us. What in the world? I just, that's just so wrong. All of a sudden, I hear this voice, this big, booming, baritone voice from across the street that says, Hey, Dave! Dave! Yeah? Why don't you come over here and have a Lutheran beverage with me? So I go over there. I don't know this guy hardly at all. Even though we've been in this neighborhood by this time about seven years. His name is Dave. So I and my wife both and I went up to his porch. Started talking football. Started talking life. Shared a little bit what I do. He shared a little bit what he does. I had no, listen to this, I had no idea what God was doing in his life. Had no idea. His wife and his daughter had the previous six months come to this church and I wasn't even aware of it because this is a big church and I don't get to talk to everybody on a given Sunday. 
talked to him, did some impressions, did my Harry Carey. Have you guys ever heard my Harry Carey? Hey, welcome to the ball game today. The Cubs are playing on a beautiful day against the Cardinals, and I surely hope that the Cubs win the day. And unlike you guys, he laughed. He thought that was pretty good, okay? I mean, I didn't say diddly squat about Jesus. Nothing. Because I didn't feel impelled to. But he saw something in me. And, he, and, and people see something in you. He saw Jesus in me. He didn't see my sin or my shame or my guilt. He saw Jesus in me. And the very next Sunday, guess where he came? Here. Guess where he sits to this day? There. He's not here today. He was at the 8 o'clock service. Guess what he is now at our church? He's an elder. It all started with me for once putting my schedule and my own stuff off to the side. And instead of me oftentimes being a priest or a Levite, being a Samaritan. I said it before and I'll say it again. Jesus Christ is already at work in people's lives around you. We are just joining Jesus on his, not ours, on his mission. Last point. We put these names up here about 16 months ago. All of them were turned over. Remember, it said the one, O-N-E. There's 20 of them turned over now. Do you know what that tells me? That you all get it. I pray that at the end of my ministry, every card is turned over for the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Because we're about the Lord's business here. We want to see people's lives radically changed by the power of the gospel here. And how do we do that? By simply joining Jesus on his mission. Amen? And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds through faith in Christ Jesus until life everlasting. Amen.